morning's topic is entitled The Three Angels' Messages. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? The Three Angels' Messages. Well, interestingly, we're really only going to look at one angel this week, the first one. But you know, whenever you you talk about the Seventh-day Adventist Church, now I know that those of you who are sitting in the church this morning probably know at least a little bit and most of you a lot about the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Those of you who are watching this on television might not know as much about the Seventh-day Adventist Church as perhaps those who are here this morning. Well, let me give you a few facts about Adventism. Here in Australia, there is somewhere around 60,000 Seventh-day Adventists that go to church that worship regularly every Sabbath. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, Adventism in Australia is a relatively small movement. However, worldwide, it's, it's a little bit of a different story. We are, and I say this with no pride, because I think when it comes to growth, it comes from God above and no one else. But the Seventh-day Adventist Church is growing at a rate that is amongst some of the fastest in the world. And there are, as I stand here this morning, somewhere around 20 million Seventh-day Adventists and growing fast, worshipping every Sabbath in Adventist churches around the world. The Adventist church is pretty much a Protestant church. Now, for some of our friends watching this on television, you might be surprised. But the Adventist church has its roots. I'll, I'll tell you the three churches we have our roots in. It's the Baptist church, it's the Methodist church, it's a Presbyterian church, and maybe if you wanted to add, add a fourth one, it's the congregational churches of North America that Adventism came out of. And in fact, if you have a look at Adventist worship today, if you have a look at Adventist belief, Adventist doctrine, much of what we do in church much of what we believe, it does come from the Bible, but it comes down to us from our Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist and Congregationalist brothers. Now, that might be a surprise for many of you out there. People get Adventism mixed up with a whole lot of other different religions. But if there is one doctrine or one flag that Adventists would run up the flagpole and say, this is why God raised this church. This is why God has us here. It would be these three angels' messages that we're about to look at this morning. All around the world today, pastors, and there are thousands of them, Adventist pastors are preaching the three angels' messages. Here in Australia, we're preaching the three angels' messages. This is where we get our identity This is where we get in Revelation chapter 14, these three angels. It's where we get our purpose and it's where we get our mission. And so for Seventh-day Adventists, these three messages are very important. But this morning I want to tell you that these three messages are not for Seventh-day Adventists. They are in fact for the world. These are three angels that God sends to the world with an end time message that an end time world needs to hear. And this morning, for a few moments, I want to look at the first angel's message. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. 
I want to encourage and challenge those of you watching this on TV. Listen to this message carefully. Open your Bibles. Look at what I'm saying. Test it. Test it for yourself. And if it rings true, then follow it. Because I believe as a pastor, this is one of the most important messages we can preach from Adventist pulpits. Revelation, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Look at this. Here it is. Then I saw another angel flying in the midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language and people. This first message has an angel flying in mid-air and this angel has a, 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 a story to tell the world. And what is that story? It is the eternal gospel. Now, if you have a look at this text very carefully and you're studying it and you're trying to tease out of it and, and to find out what it is God's saying, the first question you should be asking yourself, verse 6, is this. Who is the angel? Look at it, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. You need to know who the angel is because the angel has the message, the, the, the message of an eternal gospel to give to the world. So who is this angel? Well, we go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and verse 20. Jesus has walked the earth for 33 years. Three or four of those years he's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been healing. Oh, it must have been a wonderful thing to be around in the time of Jesus. I would love to have listened to Jesus preach. I would have loved, it would have meant something special to me to see Jesus, Jesus himself heal. Now I know that Jesus works through people to preach, he works through people to heal even today. But to see Jesus himself do it, it would have been very special. After he died, he was on the earth for a short time and then it came time for him to go back to heaven. True story, beautiful story, wonderful story. And just before he, he lifts up off the ground and recedes into the clouds, he leaves his disciples with a challenge. And this is one of the great challenges of all the Bible. Listen to what Jesus says, verse 19. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, Jesus says to us, go. He says to his disciples, go. He says to the Christian church, go. He says to the Adventist church, go. Go what? Go and make disciples and baptise them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teach them, Jesus said, teach them all that I have given you. It's a stirring command. And right through the centuries, Christians have gone. And I am proud to be a Christian. And it gives me, it, it, it puts a, the hairs on the back of my neck up when I look at what Christians have done to follow that command to go. If you, if you have a look at history, you can see where thousands, no not thousands, millions, mostly young people, before they reach the age of 25, have gone. And you know, wherever they have gone, the devil has opposed them. 
The devil has stood in their way. The devil has made it difficult. And there are not thousands, there are millions and millions and millions of people throughout the history of the world who have given their lives to go, to go and preach the gospel. Wonderful, wonderful command and how, how the Christian church has responded. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 14 because you remember my question was, who is the angel? Then I saw another angel flying in midair and what did he have? Here's the key. He had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation, tribe, language and people. Who's the angel? Who's the angel of the eternal gospel? Well, according to Jesus Christ, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it was he who told you, you, you to go, you, 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 and I, you are the angel. You are the angel. The word angel means nothing more than messenger. In Revelation chapter 14, you are the messenger. And what is the message? It is the eternal gospel. What is the eternal gospel? This is the question of the ages. What is the eternal gospel? Let's have a look at verse 7. He said, in a loud voice, God unpacks for us the eternal gospel. Here it is. Fear God and give glory to him for his judgment hour has come. Worship him who made heaven, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. The eternal gospel is two things. It's judgment. Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about that subject. Judgment, a world. We live in a world that does not like the word or the concept of judgment. But there will be a day of judgment. What's that got to do with the gospel? Well, Jesus came down to the earth. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed. He paid the price for yours, for my sins. And because Jesus paid the price for our sins, we do not need to face the judgment alone. We have a mediator. We have someone who stands for us. And you know what happens? I'm going to be very simple here because I don't have a lot of time. In the judgment, and there is a judgment, read Hebrews, read Revelation. There is a judgment, and the judgment when my name comes forward. I ask Jesus into my heart. I ask him to forgive my sins. He's cleansed me of his blood. And when my name comes up, Jesus steps in my place. And when God the Father, this is the eternal gospel, when God the Father looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus, Jesus who never sinned. Jesus standing in my place. He said, hey, Lord, welcome to heaven. You are perfect. Perfect in who? Perfect in Jesus. It's Jesus that's perfect. That's the eternal gospel. But the Bible says here, in verse 7, there are two parts to the eternal gospel. The first one is the hour of his judgment has come. The second one is worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is crucial. This is crucial. To my friends watching this who have never heard it before, this is life-changing Bible study. What is this great message? It's a message of judgment, but it's also a message of worship. What worship? Worship him who made the sea. Look, look at what the Bible says. Follow this. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. How do we worship him who made the heavens, the sea, the springs of water? The earth, how do we worship him? Look at this. Look at this very carefully. Where did John the Revelator take these words from? 
If you've got your Bible, go back to Exodus. And this ought to challenge some of you looking at this today. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. I know this is going to challenge some of you. It ought to. You know, the, the truth is like a sword. It plunges into your heart. Read Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The truth is a sharp sword. It plunges into your heart and you decide whether or not you're going to, 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 to follow the truth, whether you're going to, to let it come into your heart or not. This is not a Seventh-day Adventist thing. This is not a call to the Seventh-day Adventist church. It's a call to the world. It's a call that every Christian should be giving. Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember, this is in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy. Fourth commandment. It's there. You can't go over it. You can't go under this truth. My friends, you cannot go around it and you cannot go through it. I am convinced, I am convicted deeply as I study the word that the Sabbath is a part of the gospel, is a part of this eternal gospel that God has given us to give to the world. And when I say the word us, I'm not just talking about Seventh-day Adventists, I'm talking about Christians. It's time the Christian church arose and claimed back the Sabbath. You know, the, the tragedy of the Protestant Reformation is they came so far with the Lord but they never followed through to the Sabbath. And today we use foolish, inept arguments like you're a legalist if you're a Sabbath keeper. What a lot of nonsense. You're no more a legalist if you obey and celebrate the Sabbath with Jesus than you are if you don't murder or you don't commit adultery or you don't covet or you don't bow down to idols. Am I a legalist if I don't do those things? Of course not. Why then all of a sudden am I a legalist when I want to spend the Sabbath with Jesus? What's it got to do with the eternal gospel? Well, follow me. Follow me closely. I haven't finished. Well, the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord our God. And then God tells us what he wants. On it, you shall do no work. Neither you nor your servant, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, if you're fortunate enough to have a manservant or a maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Now look at this. Here's the tie with Revelation 14. You can see it. You can't miss this. This is where John went. Verse, now follow me closely, 11. For in six days, look, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and there's all in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and the Lord God of heaven, the high King of heaven, made it holy. The Bible says the Sabbath is about remembering a God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Look at that passage. This is where John the Revelator is in Revelation 14. I want to go there again. Look very carefully. Revelation. And then I'm going to close this by illustrating something very important. Revelation 14 verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in the midair. That's you. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, first message. Worship him, look at it, who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. When do you worship him? In Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 11, from six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. The tie is there. You cannot escape it. The Sabbath 
That is the great message that God, I'm challenging you and I'm challenging my Christian brothers and sisters, and we are brothers and sisters, all of us. We need to give this message to the world. It's not just the Adventist church that needs to give it to the world. It's Christianity. Why? Because it's biblical. And the Protestant churches, the churches of Protestantism, which I belong to, they are a people who have a creed, the Bible, and the Bible only. We stand on it as our flag. It is high in the air. Well, it's time we began to teach, preach, and obey the Bible, and the Bible only. And I include my own Adventist brothers and sisters. The Sabbath day. What's the big deal about the Sabbath? Let me close on this. One of the great struggles we're having in the world today. Individually, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. It's a struggle against temptation and sin. We are battling. And more than not, we're losing the battle against the devil, against temptation and sin. Now let me give you a little secret as a preacher, a preacher of righteousness. I've been preaching this message going into my 18th year. Let me give you a little secret. You can only ever fight the devil when you're in the presence of Jesus Christ. Fact. And I only know three ways you can be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Bible study. And the devil will do everything he can to get in the way of your Bible study. Prayer. The devil will do everything he can to stop people getting on their knees and being in the presence of Jesus Christ. And the last one is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is put in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Listen to me. It's fact. That's why God put it there. It's put there because God says, hey, I want to spend 24 hours of the seventh day with you from sunset Friday to sunset Sabbath. Oh, but I go on Sunday or I go on Friday. Well, look, it doesn't matter what you think. It's what God says. And God made the appointment on the Sabbath from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. Why? Why? Listen to me. Listen to me. So that you, so that you can be in his presence. And when you are in his presence, you become strong. This is a message the world needs to hear. A world that's falling down in sin and temptation needs to hear the message of the Sabbath. Why the Sabbath? Because it's pushing people, it's calling them into the presence of Jesus, the very Jesus that helps you to fight the temptations and wiles of the devil. Now, I'm closing, but I want to tell you this. If I was the devil and I was looking at the Ten Commandments, and I know them all, off by heart, one to ten, and I'm studying them, it's the Sabbath. If I was the devil, that I would attack. It's the Sabbath. Why? Because if I can prize people away from the Sabbath, if I'm the devil, I can prize them away from Jesus Christ. And if I can prize them away from Jesus Christ, then the chances are I'm going to win. That's what the devil thinks. In fact, it's what the devil knows. And Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is on to him. And it's why this first angel's message is, it's the flag that we rise up the pole. Worship. Worship him who made the heavens, who made the earth, who made the sea and all that is in them. When do you worship? The Sabbath. Why do you worship on the Sabbath? So you can get strong. So you can be in the presence of Jesus. So you can find healing. Oh, it's a beautiful message. It's not a Seventh-day Adventist message. It's a Christian message. You want the Sabbath to become a part of your life? You need to make a stand. And as simple as saying, Lord, I need you. I hunger 
for you like a man who is starving. I thirst for you like a man in the desert. I long for you. Come into my heart this Sabbath, this Saturday, Lord. I'm going to spend it with you. I'm going to spend it in Bible study. I'm going to spend it in prayer. I'm going to spend it in, spend it in worship. There are Sabbath-keeping churches here in Sydney. Worship the Lord and see what it is that he offers you. Strength, healing, peace. That's the first angel's message. It's a message for you and it's a message that he wants us who have it to share to the world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this wonderful study in Revelation 14. Bless us with it. For those who are hearing it for the first time, may the truth of it burn into their hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, our Saviour and God. Amen.
Oh, 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 oh.